Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Welcome back to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. For those of you who were here with us last week, I know you're excited about today as I am too. My friend Michelle Francesca is back with us and we had a wonderful time last week. I'm not going to read her uh, wonderful bio again. So if you missed last week, please go back and listen to it because she has a fascinating background. She's uh, she's from England. Uh, she was on the British National Gymnastics team. She's done teaching and coaching and speaking uh, literally to millions of people. And so uh, go back and, and listen to her bio if you haven't heard that before. But for today, welcome back, Michelle. Thank you so much, Paul. It's wonderful to be here. I appreciate it. It's wonderful to have you here. And it's wonderful that technology works most of the time. You're on the outskirts of Dallas and I'm on the outskirts of Kansas City. And it seems like we're in the same room and uh, hopefully it feels that way to the people that, that we're visiting with. So I'm grateful for that. I want to pick up some things that you uh mentioned in our last time together, you talked about the frequency of love and how uh, everybody, uh, these aren't your exact words, but everybody sort of has a song or is playing a different song. And from a musical standpoint, I knew about this phenomenon before, but it, it really has a spiritual application. If you take two guitars and like set, stand them up on, on a wooden floor and you plunk, let's say the A string on one guitar, if they're in tune, that A string on that other guitar will vibrate. It's called sympathetic vibration without even touching the other guitar, sympathetic vibration. And I see the same thing from a spiritual standpoint. The Holy Spirit is in everyone. And so when somebody hears the truth about God, about who they are, about who somebody else is, that resonates with the Holy Spirit in them. And I call them Jesus bumps now. I used to call them goosebumps. But that happens. There's that connection. There's that resonance there. And so it was with me, and I'd be curious to know about you. I had a completely wrong understanding of who God was, what God was like, who I was, what I was like, and all other people. And I defended that in religious terms. We called it apologetics. But, you know, I defended that, and I had all the verses and all of that kind of stuff. But yet, when a friend of mine started talking to me about Christ in you, the hope of glory, I didn't understand it mentally, but something resonated inside. And I wanted more, and you know, I kept coming back for more. A similar thing happened to you? Yes, very much so. Really the beginning of seeing things a new way, and I use that phrase purposely because when a lot of my life, you know, kind of began to crumble and I had to ask some really big questions for myself concerning the people that I was ministering to. I heard the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to see things differently. And I said, where do I start? And I heard at the beginning. And so for me, you know, as we shared last week, it was that understanding that I was literally born out. God is spirit. And I was born from that spirit and now housed with this 
unique earth suit, uh, singing my own authentic song in tune with that core essence of love. But the word resonance, I think, is is really important. And, and as I went on to study more and more, and as I went on to just explore and experience this understanding of where I came from, my genesis, as Dave Carringer would, would describe it, I began to realize that it wasn't about trying to slap something on. That would then be the new patch on the old garment. It was really about an awakening from the inside of who I always was to begin with. So I began to understand that the born again experience was kind of waking from slumber, waking up out of a long, dark, poisoned sleep in my darkened mind to the truth of where I came from to begin with. And once that set in and I, you know, it talks about that being the very mystery of God through the ages is that right there, Christ in me, the hope or the expectation, as you know, the word means of glory, glory. What is that? Doxa, God's opinion of me, honor, dignity, worth. What's the deal with that? And then Jesus's amazing words in John 17, 21, 23, the glory you've given me, Father, I've given it to them so they can be one as we are one, you in me, me in them. And it was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is a new life. This is a born again experience. Now I am a new creature in my soul. My soul is saved from this dark lie (laughs) that I'm separated and, you know, on the trash heap, earning my way back. And, you know, just again, just that whole beautiful mix there of Christ in me, the expectation, the certainty of this glory of this God's uh, opinion towards me being the same as it is toward Jesus. That's a mind-blowing thing. And I hope anybody that's listening right now catches that because when that light switch gets flipped on inside, and I think it takes some daring because we're so raised to believe that we're not worthy. Worth is the very essence. I mean, People, you know, I I began to realize when I'm ministering to younger girls, perhaps especially anybody really, you know, we're very quick to say, you're very valuable, you know, love, you have value. I think people want to know why. Why am I valuable? That's very nice. Thank you very much. But something's not sticking. Why am I valuable? The reason you're valuable, the whole proof of your worth is where you've come from to begin with. Out of God, God's stuff you know, housed in this specifically crafted, fashioned earth suit for a specific purpose that's unique to you. That's how you know your worth. And I think when people and so many struggle with an idea of worth, especially if we're taught to believe that we're of Adam, in Adam, you know, fighting for our crumbs of righteousness. What a mess, Paul. You know, we've been given righteousness. It's, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's all the I am's, isn't it? The I am in the I am, the oneness, all of that blending together. So yeah, Christ in me, not just a hope so, but an expectation, a minute by minute expectation that I am. God's opinion towards me is the same as it is towards Jesus. And I have oh, words. Wow. We do. It's so well said, Michelle. And the I am, you know, goes back to 
Jesus, I am. Well, before that, uh, God in the burning bush story, I am who I am. And that's where Eve, as you mentioned last week, Eve forgot who she was. And she didn't change and God didn't change. It, It was simply, you know, her memory. She forgot who she was. And that same is true. You know, she believed the lie of I am not. And I'm learning that Jesus, I am, always trumps any I am not that anybody else could say to us or that anything could come to our mind from lies and deception or that anybody else could try to foist off on us. And there's so many beautiful things about that. But I think to me, maybe the most amazing one is that who we are is, as you said, because that's how we were born. That's how God created us. That's how he made us. It has nothing to do with anything we've done. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. We didn't work up to it. We didn't ask for it. We didn't beg for it. We didn't plead for it. We didn't confess for it. We didn't bawl and squall and plead and and whatever. Because if we had done any of those things, we'd be our own savior and we could undo those things and we could lose them to know that you have unconditional totally valuable, never-ending worth, it has to come from outside of you. It has to come from God who never changes. That way, it's not dependent on anything that we do. And that's so foreign to the way we think in the flesh. That's so foreign to what religion has told us. But it so resonates with the truth in us because it's so good and it's so true. And we get to tell people that. How cool is that? It's incredible. I, I think one of the things that perhaps people are concerned about, what, isn't that rather proud that you think so highly of yourself? And I know that we're cautioned, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. But also, as G.K. Chesterton says, it is always the secure who are humble. To me, it really is simply an acceptance of what already is. Mm. And to accept a worth that already is takes humility because it has nothing to do with you. So when people are concerned, well, don't you just think you're all that in the bag of chips to sort of bring yourself into this, you know, allow allow this oneness and idea, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, no, with that comes an incredible humbling because you no longer live. It is no longer I who live, the ego I, Mm. but Christ lives in me, the me is still important. I don't get put in the corner and I don't get put on, you know, in a drawer. I don't get put on the back burner. There is a me that Christ lives in, but it's all the light of God now shining through. And then the I, the ego, I, the one that's always trying to prove its own worth because it doesn't have a true sense of security. That one can fall away now. We don't have to keep proving ourselves. We don't have to do ugly things to other people. We don't have to play one-upmanship games. We don't have to play narcissistic power games. We can really walk in that sweet humility and simpleness of devotion to Christ. Yeah, so well said. And it's a very humbling thing. It's not a uh, human pride thing at all because it has nothing to do with uh, human abilities or or anything like that. It, it makes me think of a uh, passage in, it's either First or Second Corinthians, I can't remember which, the communion passage where, you know, the text says you need to examine yourself before you take. Well, I was taught that meant you need to sit there and think of any sin that you'd never confessed 
examine yourself and then beg for forgiveness for those. And then if you get forgiven, then you are qualified to take communion. It doesn't mean that at all. Examining yourself means if you think that you've earned the right to take communion, you ought not to do that. That's the word. You shouldn't take communion in an unworthy manner. If you think that you've deserved it, that you've earned it because of your acts, your goodness, your uh, deeds and stuff like that, don't be doing it because you're, you know, you're dishonoring the fact that Christ did it all. To me, that's a very similar thing. And it's just so exactly the opposite of, <laughs> of what, what I was taught, believed hook, line, and, and sinker. And then taught from the pulpit. I wish I could go back and undo those things, but the Lord has shown me he was there with me. It was all part of the process. I would love to have learned it at a younger age. But what you and I get to do now is tell people who are younger than us. You talked about helping young women. We get to tell people so they can enjoy the experience much longer than than even we have. Right. I have this phrase on my website because I believe in it so much. Just imagine a world of people that realized their God connection and felt secure. What a different world it would be because so much of what we do is out of a deep subconscious sense of unworthiness or or wretchedness. Mm -hmm. And I know it's talking about food in Proverbs, but it's a principle as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, so does he. It's so important that we understand who we are. And again, Ephesians, another one that's got a slight twist on it, walk worthily of it as you ought, you know. And I studied that and I looked into it and I, oh, wow, the way I've received it and so many have received it is live up to this and keep making sure that you get it just right. And walking worthily is walking in the worth that is entirely yours in this amazing gift in Christ oneness. (laughs) Yeah, the amazing gift of worth. And psychologists will tell you, and there are all kinds of studies on this, that everybody seems to be hardwired to crave, to desire unconditional love, value, and acceptance. And of course, uh, we will look for that wherever we can find it until we know the truth that we have it already, unconditional love, unconditional worth and value, unconditional significance. And we need reminding of that because we forget. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's so easy. I, those, those phrases, Michelle, that we were taught, you mentioned some of them like, I'm a worm, I'm utterly depraved, or I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Those things can flow out of my mouth so easily because for so long they sounded true. But they're lies, and they do great damage when we internalize those. And it takes focused intention to remember, no, no, I'm not like that. And we get to help people realize it. Right. And it is a practice. I think it is a training. It's not going to automatically happen. It's like any new habit. You have to intentionally work to create a new groove, a new rewiring in your brain. Psychologists would certainly agree with that. So one has to study. (laughs) I just thought of this, study to show yourself approved. Isn't that just interesting? (laughs) (laughs) To study to show that you are already approved. You are (laughs) approved by God. Oh Um, man, did we take that out of context? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So many, so many things. 
a lot of our peers, well, not a lot, but a few that I know have perhaps thrown the baby out with the bathwater and want to put the Bible or those particular scriptures aside. I don't know about you, Paul, but I'm discovering that more that I would just dig into the original language and come to the scriptures from the perspective, the lens of God's unconditional love for us. I'm beginning to discover treasures that have been just twisted enough, just reworked with translation just enough that it keeps supporting the wretch programming. (laughs) But really in there, there's some treasures to excavate, which I think is very important for us to excavate these treasures so that we can take them from a former age into an age to come. Paul even yeah. talked about an age to come. Yeah. I think we're entering into an age to come and to be ready for the age to come. We're not even walking in the basics of things that we were, yeah. you know, blessed with 2000 years ago in certain writings. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I totally agree, Michelle. And, and once the light goes on, once we start to uh, see the truth, once we realize the teacher is in us, and we start to listen to the Holy Spirit, and and we have the lens that God is good, God is pure light, God is pure love, that love never fails, it's for us and everybody. Once we have that lens, then we go to Scripture, and, and fortunately, uh, because of the Internet today and resources, we can go and look at the original. Well, it's not the original. We don't have original copies, but we can look at the Greek words that that Bible's been translated from, and we can see things in a whole whole different way than they were presented. So it's a complete flip of going to Scripture with a preconceived idea and looking for things that prove our point. It's a whole different way of saying, okay, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call him or her. I call the Holy Spirit grace these days. But say, show me what this means. And, you know, just have a let be able to let go of, and boy, that's a— it's something we have to flip that switch in our mind, let go of whatever we thought it might have meant before and listen. And then when we impart what we've learned to someone else, if we're imparting the truth, it's going to resonate with them. And like like we talked about before, that our spirit in them is going to resonate with them. And that's when things get really good. And at first, it might cause cognitive dissonance, which can cause all kinds of stress in a person. And it's worth mentioning because sometimes we are hearing something and deep down inside, we know that that resonates with a deep buried part of us, a part of us that hasn't seen the light of day that was stuffed down and covered up with all these grave clothes of false religion and false religious ideas. And we have to bring the true self out of the grave and get the grave clothes taken off so that we're actually even able to receive the washing of the true living word, right? Yeah, no, that's right. Beautiful words, beautiful words. We're about ready to wrap up. I want to tell you something, Michelle, that I didn't tell you in advance. I wanted to save this to the end. I started doing these podcasts two and a half years ago. I do two a week. On Tuesdays, I do a solo cast. And on Thursdays, I interview other people like you. This is the 250th episode. And so I've been looking forward to, uh, in my mind, just the right person to include. To, I mean, it's, it's no bigger deal than any other time, except it's, you know, it's just a milestone. And so thank you for being on the 250th episode of Grace to All. So exciting. Congratulations. That really is well, an incredible you. milestone. What incredible well, work you're doing. Oh, thank you. It's just persistence. 
One of the things that I sort of disagree with in the tulip thing of Calvinism is the persistence of the saints. I don't agree with what they say it means, <laughs> but it is good to be persistent when you're doing something good. <laughs> yeah, being persistent and doing something crazy over and over again is the definition of insanity, but that's for another story. Well, as we finish up episode 250, uh, Michelle, tell people how they can get your books and how they can connect with you. The best way, Paul, is michellefrancesca.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-F-R-A-N-C-E-S-C-A.com. All my books are there and Inspiration for Life. And thank you so much for the privilege of being on your program, Paul. Well, thank you. It's my privilege. And we'll do this again sometime. And uh, we're doing the Pure Light Walker course together. So I will see you in a couple of days. To all of our listeners, thanks for being here with us for 250 episodes now. I'm so grateful for that and look forward to being with you next time. Grow in grace, everyone. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.